Hello, Youth Activists, and welcome you to another episode of Activating Youth Activism. And on this episode, I am honored to be your host. My name is Zimpia Masilo, and today we're talking about the African diaspora and how it relates to social cohesion. I am not alone. Yes, my name is Ijoma. Um, I'm currently a PhD student at Stellenbosch University uh, in gender politics. And my, my work looks at uh, post-feminist identity in South Africa. Um, and I'm also a freelance writer and research consultant. And yeah. Today we're talking about the African diaspora and how that relates to social cohesion, right? Um, and when we're looking at the definition given to us by the AU, um, as those consisting of people of African origin living outside of the continent, um, irrespective of their citizenship and nationality, and who are willing to contribute to the development of the continent and the building of the African Union. Do you think that it's at all possible for us to build this global African family, or is it a point to us building a global African family, considering that on the continent already, we're faced with different issues such as discrimination based on sexuality, based on gender, racism, xenophobia? How do we build a social cohesion amongst the African diaspora if within the continent it just looks messy, like it's our modern day dark African continent? Hmm. Well, first of all, I feel like the question in of itself is quite hectic as in that there are a lot of different ways and approaches that you could look at it from. Um, I think from my perspective and just kind of what I've noticed in my studies, but also, you know, being an African in diaspora myself to a certain degree, um, having lived outside of the continent, um, I think that there are sort of main, there are like maybe three areas that one can look at and they're like the basic ones that um, I usually um, looked at when considering different factors. And the first one is political. Um, so the definition that you gave, you know, from the African Union, for those that don't know, the African Union, you know, as a political regional organization was kind of mandated and is still mandated to deal with this um, problem of social and economic um, cohesion in the continent. Um, so what, what, is the, what is the political will of our leaders and our government and organizations doing? What are they doing in order to ensure this um, continental cohesion? Um, so I think there's a certain level of accountability at a political level. The second one, I mentioned them just now as well, is the economic. Um, so what are the policies that are being created um, around economic justice, around economic um, cohesion on the continent. There's this um, agreement called the African Free Continental Trade Agreement um, that's been in development for quite some time. And it deals with this very particular issue of how are we facilitating economic input between the different African countries and basically making it easier to trade amongst each other. Um, and then the third one, which I think speaks to sort of the social issues, well, they tie into other aspects, but, you know, um, negative attitudes toward other Africans, xenophobia, um, sexual and gender discrimination. 
Um, so yeah, then the third question would be kind of how are we um, challenging or acknowledging the different norms and values that we're living by that hinder this cohesion? Um, so there isn't like an answer, I think necessarily that can speak to the entire question that you asked, but these are kind of the different ways that I think about it, but then also breaking it down into the different um, sections, but then the question as well one can ask when attempting to find a solution, yeah. I think when you break it down into the social, political and economic aspects, then then for me, I have more questions. So for example, in the political aspects, you find that many different countries on the continent run under different political systems. Economically, we're not where we'd want to be as an African country. I mean, with South Africa being one of the richest African countries and yet still borderline on junk status. And then socially, while we've already labeled all the social problems that are already in the continent, which I don't know, it kind of makes it seem as if there's no point, makes it seem hopeless for us to build any type of cohesion. Would I be wrong in making that statement? Um, I don't think it's a statement. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's wrong, sorry. I think it's more, that viewpoint is definitely something that um, a lot of people have. You know, there's this ideology that people talk about of Afro-pessimism. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, and it basically speaks to this idea, or it's this way of like viewing what's going on in Africa um, in a way that acknowledges, you know, we've had these past troubles, it almost seems like the current isn't working. And there's this sort of, um, for lack of a better term, like a doomed perspective on how things are going. Um, and I have definitely also fallen into that mentality where it's like the, the problems seem to consistently weigh, outweigh the solutions or outweigh sort of the positives of what's hap happening. But, you know, what I found through not only my work as like a research consultant, um, but also in just conversations with other young Africans that are attempting to like create change within their own communities is that there is work being done to remedy this, you know, at whatever scale that may be. It, it, it's easy to say governments are doing things wrong and they're not implementing things um, and things like that, but I think there's also going to be a change or a wave of change in, in, in when young people are given the opportunity to not only infiltrate these spaces of influence, but also create opportunities for ourselves. Um, and, and it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but people are definitely doing the work currently. So it's, it, it's fair to have that viewpoint, but there's also other work going on for sure. And I want to get into the work that's going on, especially by young people, but later on in the questions, I think for now what I want to ask is a lot of the time what I've noticed is that there tends to almost be um, an us versus them mentality, whether it's from the African diaspora thinking, you know, we're better than Africans on the continent because we've found a way to leave or Africans being we're better than the diaspora because we at least are in the motherland, we're in the homeland. How do we go about building this African family or this social cohesion if we still have that type of mindset from either side? Yeah, I think it really, so I mean, I've heard of this sort of debate or this sort of um, 
diaspora, people call it the diaspora wars, lack of a better term, especially on Twitter, you know, when we're talking about people's origins and then also this thing you're speaking of, of like having things better in one place or another. But, you know, it's a real shame that it often ends up that way, these discussions, because I think the way of looking at it often when you're having these talks with people is that it comes down to what people know and distinguishing between argument, like points for the sake of argument um, versus knowing actual history, you know? And I find that once people are more educated or they become more aware of hidden histories and hidden narratives um, that oftentimes we don't know about because of the way our education systems have been constructed that what we know as mainstream and then the, the education that we receive is catered to understand the world in a specific way that when it comes to knowing ourselves as Black people, whether that's within Africa or outside of Africa, um, a lot of that history is either lost or forgotten or deliberately put to the side. So I think when it comes to the, this like discussion, it, it, it's important for us to like go back and you know, do the work of educating ourselves on our history and then oftentimes what we find is that we have a lot more in common beyond, you know, there's the physical aspect of, yes, you are Black, I am Black, we look Black, but just the history of how our people have kind of moved across the world and our influences in different aspects of societies. And I think once we have that understanding of a shared history globally, continentally, and in diaspora, then it makes it so much easier to not see another person as an other or an us versus them, more us collectively figuring out what works best for us in the world that we're in. Say we have this um, African family now where, you know, the diaspora and the African people on the continent are now um, connected. How do we then extend that to the global community as well? So it's not to have an us versus them mentality with the West. So you mean just basically how do we come together as one? <laughs> yes, basically yes. Um ah, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> um I think I think to a certain degree at different levels, you know, a lot of these questions you're asking about whether how do we make it happen, they are already happening. Um, you know, the term globalization. Um, as much as it sounded new when we first found out about it, in the, I would say even the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, a lot of time has passed since then. And sort of the rate of development or international integration as we know it in all spheres, you know, ex accelerates even more within a shorter time span um, than ever before, if that makes sense. So. I think to answer that question, we are already integrated. We are already connected to each other. The question of how, the question of connection globally is less about whether we are connected or not, but more how we're connecting. Um, and that is a complicated one to ask um, or a complicated one to answer, sorry. Um, it's, yeah, I, I I can't say I have the answer to that. It's so um, when we look at like modernity and when modernization started in the era of the industrialization, it kind of didn't really put Africa as 
the priority that was more what was happening in the West. Do we not run a risk mm -hmm. with that also happening in the terms of globalization? As kind of receiving yeah. the back end of the pros of globalization in the same way that we kind of receive the back ends of the pros of modernization. Um, I think it's less of like um, seeing it as an either or and more kind of like weighing up the different aspects of globalization. And if you want to look at it from an African perspective, you know, there have been quite a few innovations that have come from the African continent in terms of globalization, you know, so the concept of mobile banking, um, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, it can be fact checked, but I think it came from Kenya, you know, so the idea that you would be able to manage your assets and move money freely um, was developed for people um, in Kenya where majority of the country had handsets. Um, you know, and that was people's first access to the internet. And, you know, there are so many other innovations that exist that have come from the continent. I think in terms of leveling the playing field, that would require, um, you know, the, and this relates to the question that you had about the brain drain as well, is incentivizing um, young African entrepreneurs and creators um, and innovators to stay on the continent to create here and to have the backing and support um, from institutions and from the needed infrastructure to help develop and grow. Um, and that relates again to the first question of like, what is the political will of leaders, whether it's communal, whether it's regional, continental within our countries, um, there needs to be that hand in hand support so that we are able to, as you said, not be on the back end and sort of be at the forefront because People are, um, young Africans are being at the forefront despite the odds, you know. Um, so it's such a shame that oftentimes people end up leaving so that they can be able to have the resources that they need um, to flesh out the ideas that they have. Um, yeah. I'm glad that you brought up the question on the brain drain. Um, for those who don't know, brain drain is basically the immigration of highly trained and qualified people from a particular um, state or country here in particular, talking about people leaving Africa to either go study elsewhere, to go work elsewhere. How do we then mm. try to amend the issue of the brain drain without sort of making the issue of collaborating the African diaspora as a less important one, without making them mutually exclusive? Um, I don't know. I feel like for, so I mean, to go more in, if we use like, if we make up a case study or an example where you have a young graduate um, from, could be from South Africa for, and from any other country, um, and they realize that the industry that they're in, that there's just simply no opportunities or no jobs, and they've been applying for some time, still nothing. Um, and so they seek other countries abroad, internationally, to try and find opportunities for themselves. Um, I think it comes down to sort of the intention of others when they are um, leaving their home countries. It's, it's difficult because on one hand, you know, from a personal perspective at least, um, I can understand why there are those that almost want to have nothing to do with 
um, wanting to improve their countries and more just helping their families and things like that. So that's through the use of remittances. So in, in some ways, unconsciously, that also does give back to the country. Um, but then on a from a different perspective, you have those that are very clear with incentives that they want to create. So whether that's through sort of giving back to their communities, um, setting up NGOs, um, finding ways to um, create awareness about different, whether it's to do with maybe public health or education. Um, I think, yeah, the, those incentives do exist. And in certain ways that also increases sort of the capacity of the communities that they're from. Um, and, you know, it's my belief as well as many, many others that education actually helps foster sort of these, um, it fosters acceptance of others that it fosters a it fosters a sense of familiarity with what you don't know um and so yeah I don't know if that really answers your question it is a it is a very loaded question of how to deal with the brain drain and creating it more cohesively but through the education that others receive when they are leaving and then coming back I think subconsciously as well that creates greater continental cohesion um, yeah, just through these different transnational links. It does definitely answer the question, but now the question is, are the incentives created strong enough? Um, are the incentives created strong enough? It, it depends. I mean, it depends where in the world you're looking and also the reasons why people are leaving. You know, so from an educational perspective, when people are seeking higher education outside of their country, um, a lot of times the stipulations from these different scholarships and different programs is that, that the recipient has a cause that they're passionate about, um, but also that they return to their home country um, upon completion so that they can carry out um, the different skills that they've learned in their time abroad. Um, I think that, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the overarching, that, that's kind of a baseline criteria for a lot of these um, scholarships for Africans is that they do come back and contribute to their countries. Um, so yeah, there is incentive for Africans to help out Africa, um, even when they are abroad. Yeah, so throughout history, one thing that I've noticed is that there are a lot of African leaders who believe that there's no space for global communities or global organizations such as the United Nations or um, the WEF to try and help or to try and aid within the African Union's goals of creating this African family or in any way in Africa whatsoever. Do you think that there is a role for the larger global community in assisting the goals um, and also in assisting with the brain drain that we're talking about? Or do you also believe that the global community does more damage than anything else? Um, I, well, I guess it, 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 it depends because, I mean, especially because, you know, I studied international relations and you learn how these different institutions and organizations work. Um, and more often than not, it's, um, it goes both ways. So from on one hand, you know, you have a lot of nations or you can put, quote unquote, the West um, who have sort of their own um, interests. 
Um, and through their own interests, they can then pressure other nations um, to vote in certain ways, but also um, prioritize what is important to them. Um, and that can relate to resolutions, that can relate to different policies. Um, but then on the other hand, you also have what I've you know, mentioned before is the incentive, the political willpower from these leaders to ensure the interests of their country first, which more than, of, yeah, more than often you find that African leaders are willing to bend to whoever um, is the highest bidder. Uh, so it becomes difficult then to unite Africa on common causes when more often than not we're swayed by whoever is providing uh, the best amount of funding or whoever is willing to pay the highest amount for our resources and things like that. So yeah, it, it's disappointing, but also becomes difficult. But I do think that there are a couple of African countries that are starting to take a stand and starting to become, you know, not that previous countries didn't uh, take a stand, um, but there has been sort of targeted, uh, um, a, a targeted decentralization of African unity um, from other powers. So I think now the time that we find ourselves in, we are seeing um, African, some African countries in particular take a stand to sort of Western centric ideas and motivations um, to develop Africa for Africa um, by Africans. So it, 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 it swings either way, depending on which country you're looking at um, and which example you're looking at, but um, hopefully the majority over time, it can shift in a more positive direction without being influenced by external factors, yeah. I was reading an article um, where they were interviewing Tawumbegi and he was saying that it currently seems as if a lot of African leaders have lost that goal, that want for a united Africa, um, for the, the, the pan-Africanism goal that was created way back when within the African Union. I wonder sometimes mm -hmm. perhaps that goal of creating an African Union, um, a united Africa, even if it's not lost among the leaders who, as you said, sometimes get easily bored, but is it not then perhaps lost among the youth? Um, I think once again, it depends. I do think that there are young Africans that are fully aware of where we're located, you know, not only within their countries, but also within the continent. And it influences the type of work that they do as well. And I think um, it, it, it really depends on what, I don't wanna say sector or what, sorry, let me say demographic that you're looking at. And that also relates to education and awareness and how you're able to contribute. Um, but in relation, for example, to xenophobia in South Africa, you find that a lot of the um, reason, the arguments that are for sort of this vigilante justice, uh, supposed vigilante justice, is this reclamation, this imagined reclamation of jobs, of opportunities, um, of land, of space that um, rightfully belongs to them, you know, as opposed to others that have it. Um, and that comes down to 
not only ignorance um, and lack of education, but also just the the political, the irresponsibility of political leaders, I think, in misconstruing a lot of the frustrate the frustrations and complaints that young people have about their current situation and conflating it to this other, this imagined other, which is, you know, your fellow African brother or sister. Um, but then at the same time, there are so many young South African. Let me, I'm saying South African because I'm in South Africa, but there are many young Africans that are doing work to facilitate this uh, broader cohesion and that are even also in diaspora doing this work, whether it's in the arts, whether it's in science. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag to be quite honest, or from my perspective. And at this point where we are right now, for those who are doing the work, what support is required for it to get to a point where we have that dream of an African, united African family? Because at the same time, I also feel like it's something that we've wanted for so long and it's almost like we're never getting to that point. And for those who aren't doing the work in the youth specifically now, what role can they play to try and assist? So can you clarify what, what role can the youth play in trying to assist with? And trying to assist in creating this global African family. Um, yeah, I would just get to say, get to know people, get to know each other, um, learn about different histories, learn about different countries. Um, if you have friends that are from other places as well, see that as a learning opportunity as well. I think specifically in South Africa as well, or from my experience as being a foreigner growing up here, a lot of the attitudes that people had and um, sort of thoughts and opinions that they had that were very strong, you know, about other countries were simply stereotypes that they've learned from media or through like other like fed narratives um, through TV shows, through newspapers, through, um, you know, from family, from friends, you know, and, Oftentimes these ideas are incorrect or they're just simply negative attitudes towards this other. So I think that comes with being curious about others, um, but also it requires a process of humanizing that um, can be quite difficult, but can be started when people are young as well. So especially with young people, being able to connect with others and learn stories that are not familiar to you. Um, I think that's kind of where the magic happens so that um, what is different is then normalized and then you form part of this bigger community that um, doesn't create these binaries of us versus them, me versus the other. Um, so yeah, I would just say education, you know, at any level, whether that's through school, um, whether that's through communal activities outside of the school sort of um, environment, um, yeah. And for those who sorry, for those who are already trying to put in the work, what support do you think is required either from the local government or from bigger communities such as the AU or even bigger such as the UN to assess them? For people that are seeking this education. Yeah, so either people who are seeking education or people who are doing work through the arts, so people who are doing work through um, creating conversations. 
Mm. Um, well, it, yeah, I, there are a lot of initiatives that exist um, within international organizations that deal sort of with um, Pan-Africanism. And I think, you know, through research, you can find different um, opportunities and different sort of, um, yeah, different opportunities and different platforms to be able to connect with others. Um, I was recently part of this conference that WITS hosted last year on sort of Africa and the African diaspora. And the, the main thing that kind of came up is that the work is being done globally, um, about finding ways to connect it to one another is where the work, is where a lot of the work still needs to be done. So I think with those that are still finding ways to connect with others, um, finding, finding sort of commonalities in the different work, works that you're doing. So whether you're in civil society, whether you're in education, um, whether you're an entrepreneur, um, using those as sort of ways to connect with each other can also help facilitate um, much better cohesion and integration, um, whether that's within the continent or outside. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. So here on Activating Youth Activism, um, we had a guest once who told us that we are all living ancestors and we should live as such. Um, which then brings me to a final round question um, to ask you, as a living ancestor, what is the legacy that you feel as if you'd like to leave behind? Um, I think for me, yeah, I didn't even, I've never thought of it like that as a living ancestor. I think something that, you know, especially with everything that's been happening in the past two years, you know, everyone's been talking about sort of finding rest um, and a different way of like viewing life. I think for me, the one thing that I keep coming back to is the prioritizing of the self um, and not in a selfish sort of narcissistic manner, but more in a, I, you know, we, I don't know if you remember Mrs. Smart from school because we, we both went to Rhenish, but I yes. always remember she would say, um, Yes, <laughs> she would always say, you know, you have to remember that you are the captain of your own ship. And I don't think I really understood it um, up until recently where it's like, at the end of the day, it's important to have community, yes, and it's important to have our support systems. But when it comes to prioritizing joy and the care that we so seek, um, that, that, that has to come from the self first. Um, so, I think finding ways to practice that has been kind of the main thing that I want to implement, not only over the span of my lifetime, but, you know, yeah, as for future generations as well. I think it's, it's important, yeah, to take care of the self and to prioritize the self in the most nurturing way possible. That's beautiful. I like that. And I think, honestly speaking, after all these years, you finally helped me fully also understand what she means when she said that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it comes with time, I guess, and yeah, having more experiences as things go on, and also discussing topics like this, where we are thinking of where do we fit into this bigger picture and sort of these bigger topics, you know. So yeah, 
Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and being a guest and activating with activism. We really do appreciate having you share your thoughts and your opinions on a very important topic such as this one.